Hey beauties, have you joined our subscription Dear Body yet? The Dear Body subscription is a journey of self-love and well-being. With weekly journal prompts and monthly assignments, it's a time to pause and take some time for you to reflect and get in tune with your body, mind, and spirit. Plus, as a subscriber, you get 50% off any online or in-person workshops, exclusive content, a subscriber badge, and access to our exclusive social channel. We believe in a holistic approach to self-love while we reclaim our bodies, rediscover our self-worth, and redefine beauty. So join us and subscribe to Dear Body today. You can access it through our Instagram page. I hope to see you there. Hi, beauties. Welcome to the Beyond Beauty Project with your host, Bridget Burrick-Brown, the show that's redefining the meaning of beauty. Enjoy, and we're so happy to have you part of the conversation. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Beyond Beauty Project. Today, I'm here with Erin Williams. Erin is New York City-based, and she is a birth and postpartum doula. She's a childbirth educator. She is also a pre and post yoga and fitness instructor and a lactation counselor. She is also a longtime model that I have met, God, I met years ago. Um, And she is a mom to one little. Today, we're going to dive into all of it, the fashion world, um, how women are really hard on themselves when they're pregnant and a bunch of other stuff. So I'm so excited you're here today. Thank you for being here. How Thank are you? you? Me. I'm great. How are you? I'm good. How's the city? Uh, you know, it is so busy now. I feel like, good. like life is like returning back to pre-pandemic. Um, it's really busy. Yeah. That's so nice. I'm still having a lot of anxiety about it, but I'm also really looking forward to, to having, um, you know, some normal feedback. Yeah. And some energy in the city that like has all the energy, you know? Yeah. Okay. We're going to dive right into it. And I want to ask you my first question that I ask everyone. And I want to know what you, how would you describe being a beautiful person? I think beauty is, I mean, coming from the fashion industry, I think it's so much more than just perfect, ideal, symmetrical appearance. I think it has so much more to do with like your inner life and like those things that you're passionate about. Because when we're passionate about something, you see it come through with like so much light and energy. Um, I think beauty is, is love and passion and being connected to yourself. Yeah, it's really true. When you're passionate about something, it's like, it almost glows out of you in a way, right? Yeah, yeah. I think that's one of the cool things when you're talking to somebody and and they start talking about their thing and just how they light up. Yes, they light up. How did you get into the modeling world? Like, how'd you start modeling? Yeah, so I grew up in Idaho. So there's, there's like no modeling in Idaho. Um, but at 13, we, my mom and I sent in actual Polaroids, like those little square Polaroids 
into the agencies. real Polaroids. Yeah, real Polaroids, old school, um, into agencies in Seattle and Portland because a lot of people had suggested I get into modeling. Um, and then we went and visited three of them, and I picked the one that I liked the best, which was Heckner in Seattle. Yeah, yeah, and love yeah, them. So I've, I've been with them since I was 13. Um, and it was just kind of like this thing that I, I haphazardly fell into. I, growing up was like super, super shy and awkward that most of my classmates didn't actually ever hear me speak until about 13. Oh, um, so shy. So that. modeling wow. like threw me into like having to interact with people and, and be, be an active human. <laughs> yeah. But it's kind of interesting because you can really be silent when you're a model. Like you mm-hmm. don't. I I think of a lot as like putting on a character. It's a lot yep. like acting. But, it's like silent, you know, silent acting. Yeah. And you, but you have to go into the room and, and be a personality. Yeah. And, and take that personality on set and, and deliver whatever it is they want. Yeah. So, you know, you know, mostly do like catalog commercial work. So my like persona, like in general, I am a pretty happy, bubbly person, but my like work personality, I feel like if anyone from my personal life came to work, they'd be like, you're crazy. <laughs> it just gets like so big. It's like Aaron on steroids. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wait, do, do you feel like modeling gave you some confidence? Um, yes and no. I mean, yeah. and I'm sure we'll get into it. The, the, got the like double-edged sword of modeling of like yes. beautiful but I, I mean my first question was going to be like how did the modeling world affect your confidence but from what you just said I was like gosh maybe it gave her some confidence as well maybe give us a little bit of both yeah but I also like I grew up with like a very conservative Christian grandmother and mm. she always said pride comes before the fall so to be proud of the way you looked also was like a sin. And so oh. I would be like, oh, look. Oh, wait. And I also grew up, my brother and I were the only like biracial people. There, Where I grew up, there's literally no black people. And so all white. I used all, all white. And then like a Hispanic population. And I think there were two Asian kids. Wow. Yeah. And that, and that was it. Yep. So that was this awkward navigating my identity with my race and then going into shoots and being, Oh, look at you. You're so exotic. And, and that was celebrated, but then there's a lot of complexity. So yes, it did give some, some confidence, but also um, I was embarrassed about being a model when I was in high school. Yes, I was too. Yeah. The older girls picked, picked on me about it. Yep. I had the same tease me for what I was eating be like oh are you trying to be skinny so you can be a model wow I just like to eat salad <laughs> so did you get bullied a little bit because of it just from the older girls yeah yeah I got bullied it's, from... it's that funny thing right of like you you would think that people would be like oh, look at you you're doing these like really cool shoots and but yeah, like really jealousy. mean about it yeah 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 do you remember a first a first time you really got criticized for your looks in the industry? Oh yeah. Um it was I must have been 
15 or 16 and I went to see agencies in LA. And for some reason I was with my aunt, not my mom. And my aunt was like totally unaware of what the fashion industry was like. But going to the, into the agencies and having all my measurements taken mm. and at like 15, 16 being told I needed to lose weight. Wow. And I was already like, I haven't grown since I was like 13. <laughs> so I was like my height now, like skinny and being told I still needed to, to be thinner. And it's like, I don't even know how that's physically going to be possible, but that I need to get taller and get skinnier. Um, and I, I remember I went into Ford in LA and they were the ones who told me that. And then wow. we later met at Ford in New York. So. Yeah. 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 So do you, that obviously like had some effect on you throughout the years. Did you always? Yeah, I mean, and that's always been told to me throughout my entire 24 year career as a model is that um, I'm not tall enough and I'm not thin enough, but I've still managed a 24 year career. So yeah. Um, yeah. But that's, that's always something that's like my insecurity is like, oh, I'm not that tall or like I'm too healthy looking. I mean, those are the same exact things I got told. Like you're not really? quite tall enough and you need to, like, you're a little too like muscular, a little too yeah, healthy. Yeah. Um, it's like the only time that healthy is like a negative thing. It's, <laughs> it's like code for, you don't look emaciated. So you're, <laughs> it's totally code for like, you need to lose 10 pounds, please. Yeah. Wait, what about living through like the waif era? That was intense. Yeah, that was not a great, I mean, and it, it wasn't great. It was like, it, you know, there's, there's bones, there's physical structure of your body that like you cannot change. And I definitely, when I started in New York, um, I don't even remember exactly what happened, but I had gone into my agency and they asked me to come back and had me stand in front of them and turn around slowly so they could inspect my body and uh, told me I needed to, you know, start working out more. And I was like, I'm working out like five, six days a week and we'll drink more water. Like you just need to like de-puff. And I was probably, I was like 19, 20. And I started taking diet pills um, because I was like, I just need to like eat less food. And, you know, I'm not eating a whole lot to begin with. Um, I did the whole diet pill thing too. Around yeah, the same age. I don't know if we're this, I think I'm a little older than you, but around 1920. Yeah. So this is early 2000s. Yep. Like, yeah, everybody was doing diet pills. I was I like was, late nineties then, but I was probably yeah. still doing a little of them. Yeah. It was like diet pills were really in then. Yeah. I remember like Demi Moore had done like Fenson after doing GI Jane and like then we're doing yes. the one where yes. the one where she played the stripper and like everybody was like, oh my god, her body is amazing. But then she had like heart palpitations and, and then yeah, me- heart attacks. Yeah. Yep. And I and remember I, and like I knew about the heart attacks, but I was like, I'm still gonna do these diet pills because I know the weight. Yeah, because we wanted to be accepted. I yeah. can remember going to a casting and then lining us up in a row. And like mm-hmm. being, well, she's taller than her and she's smaller. And I was just like, this is so weird. 
Yeah. So I used to go, there was another model that um, we used to end up a lot of the same casting and they brought us in together, stood us side by side and like compared us like, okay, she's taller than her, but I like her nose better than her. Like just had us standing right next to each other and in front of our faces, like picking us apart. And like, I didn't in get English. the job. <laughs> yeah. Was this in English? Cause sometimes like in other, I used to work a lot for like Germans and French and, Italians, and they would talk about me, but I didn't really know what they were saying, but was this, it yeah. was this an American client? Yep. Yep. Oh my God. And actually going back to what you said earlier, um, being half black, half white, like did you, when you were growing up specifically, I feel like things have changed a little bit, a little bit now. We'll dive into that more, but did you ever feel like the advertising didn't match up with how you looked? Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Because growing up, it was, you know, almost all white, yeah. like 90 plus percent white. And then you had like the handful of, of like, like full black. Yeah. And I would only see in the last like several years has it started to show more diversity and range because for the majority of my career, I've been cast as Latina because I don't look white, but I don't look black enough. And so they were like, you must be Latina. Okay, we'll put you in here. And like, if you were casting, that's that's what I was usually cast as. Wait, I did not know that. Mm -hmm. So you're not even casted for what you are. That is so funny. Because it, it, it wasn't like a category, like, yeah. and even now it's still not really a category. And I've talked to other friends as well about it, that right now the trend is um, like, people are kind of overcompensating in the last yeah, year. They really are. Being like, we're only going to cast models of color. I would like to see this trend of having a range of colors last yeah. on like a season or two yeah I mean it's really just still trendy and it's not it's not realistic still my hope is that this will just open up the door for a lot more variety and a lot more nuance into the way people look what would you like to see change I think the fashion industry is long overdue for an overhaul and yeah just like how we started of like, what is beauty and recognizing that beauty is so many different things. Yeah. Not this, this perfection that it's, it's, and I don't want to say imperfection. It's different. It's variety. It's, it's different sizes, colors, shapes, um, hairstyles, like, and, but seeing that done in a, in a truly encompassing and yeah, incorporating it in a way that it's authentic. Well, I, um, I was just speaking with an Asian girl. I was, we were prepping for her, um, film and we were really talking about how, even if they use, you know, Asian or black or in whatever race, they still have white features. Yes. I actually was just thinking, and I, I was like, ad oh. and it was all the, the Asian people in this ad were biracial. And I'm like, the company is feeling great about themselves because they're like, look at us, look at how diverse our ad campaign is. 
but at the same time, they're choosing the people because they look white enough. And they don't have flat noses. You'll notice like mm-hmm. they don't have the flat noses or the wide nostrils or mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. A couple of years I worked years ago, I worked with the, I think she was Chinese and she was telling me about the, the cosmetic surgeries she'd had to like Aww. soften her features. And after she did that, she got a lot more work, like fillers in her nose and her lips and, and wow. even her eyes. She had had some fillers put in to, to like open up her eyes a little bit. And she started working. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. Do you think that the modeling agencies properly represents people of color? No, no, definitely not. No, I've, every time I've tried to change agencies, I've been told that they have a girl who already looks like me Mm. and it's shocking to be like, you can have one biracial, ethnically ambiguous girl. And sometimes it's not even, we're not even the same ethnic background, but because she's like a kind of tan, curly haired, brown, brown haired girl, they're only going to take one, maybe two, but that's interesting. But there will be like 50 blondes on a board. Yep. It's no, and you, brunettes. you can have more, 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 more of us. It's, it's fine. There, there is yeah. work out there. Have you ever experienced racism on set? I haven't had overt racism. I would definitely say there's microaggressions. Um, okay. Being told my hair is difficult to work with. Um, mm. Even comments about like my, my body shape. Um, or, yeah. you know, in the summertime, because I get darker, like that I'm too dark. I've had my agencies tell me I can't go out in the sun. So things like that, there hasn't been like overt racism, but there's things that like now that I'm older and, and able to take a step back, I'm like, oh, that's, that's not cool. Okay. I want to transition a little bit into the pregnancy world with you, but before we do that, I want to know we asked the first question about being beautiful, but how has your definition of that changed since you've become a mom? You know, I don't think it's truly changed that much. Um, I think looking at myself and all of the transitions that my body has gone through, um, my life has gone through, I need to give, and it's still a work in progress of giving myself more grace and love. Um, and just honoring that this is a, this is a moment in time and that who I was before I was pregnant and my expectations of my body and myself and my appearance don't fit into my life now. And so trying to give myself more grace with that, it's definitely a work in progress. I think the hard part is, you know, still trying to stay in the industry a little bit and having so many years behind me that that yeah. has formed a sense of identity. And so trying to transition and, and come into a different place after having a child is it's hard to let go of who you are before, whether you work in the yeah. industry or not, but like, yeah, hundred percent, especially coming from, from this perspective of being a model and always looking a certain way and always having your body a certain way and always having your hair a certain way. And, and then you come to motherhood and like, it's just like a whirlwind of chaos at all times. 
Yep. And you don't have the time to sleep like you used to, or work out like you used to, or prepare your salads, you know, like we could, I just remember being able to manage the way my body looked really well. Yeah. I, you know, would go to SLP several days a week and I was going to Mm -hmm. yoga like four or five days a week and having my $15 smoothies and laughing Lotus, laughing Lotus yoga. Yeah. And and like, that was what, like my days revolved around. And now every day I'm like, today I'm going to work out. And then it doesn't happen. Yeah. (laughs) And part of it is like, I need it for my sanity, but I'm just going to be crazy, I guess, for a few years. How did you get involved in like the birthing world and the postpartum world? Totally by accident. I just was at that time in my life where friends were having babies and I heard some of their birth stories and some of them had some pretty traumatic births, mm. um, which, which shocked me because I was like, we live in New York. I'm on the Upper East Side. Yeah. Like, we have the best of the best. How could these things be happening? And so I started learning a little bit more about it. Um, I watched the business of being born. Yeah. A lot of people's like gateway into the birth world and was absolutely blown away. But more than that, I was like, that did not gross me out. Like before I was like, I never want to see a birth video. I don't want to know how this happens. They just come out. That's all I need to know. And then I watched that and was so fascinated and so intrigued. Um, Mm. I started talking to people more about their birth stories, particularly people who had used the doula or had worked with a midwife and hearing this juxtaposition of what the birth experience was, it was really like, I don't know, just like really like, I got to learn more. Um, so I did a doula training and then I was like, there's no way I'm doing this. (laughs) This was pre you having a baby. Yeah. 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 Before my son was born, I had attended like 50 55 births and wow then uh, had him and I've only done five since because it's a lot harder to, to be on yeah. call um but so it's, what it's are you focusing more on now around childbirth and post yeah I'm in a, definitely a big transitional period of trying to find the balance he starts school in September and I'm Does so he? excited to have Aww. four hours that's a game changer <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. But I'm, I'm trying to plan a way so that during those few hours he's at school, I can use that time more wisely. I would love to be more involved on the postpartum side and um, the education side. I think there's so much that we prepare people for families for, for birth, but not for everything that happens after the baby is out of your body. Totally. There's a lot of education. There's a lot of support. And particularly for birthing people that you get handed a baby and then everyone walks away. Yeah, it's so true. And you're just kind of left on and your, your own. And your body's healing and you have a new body. And oh my God, sticking with the body image um, talk that we started earlier, do you find when you're working with women postpartum, they're really hard on their bodies? so hard and I yeah. like to ban the phrase bounce back or get your body back oh oh same I'm with you like we just need to let that go I think especially in New York we are so type a that people don't want to wait six weeks to begin well, working out again 
it's so and glamorized. I don't even think you should go back to working out at six weeks. Like, no, and it's so glamorized. Like if you don't fit into your jeans within three months, like something's wrong with you. And oh, I'm yeah. like, you might never fit into your jeans again. And that's okay. Like my rib cage is just different after having a baby. Like yeah, I can zip up dresses until it gets to mid back. And I'm just, oh, I've had to be like, okay, there that's, those needs to go in the goodwill. Cause it's not going to happen. Yeah. But and I think so that's a great idea of like, just get it out of your life. Like if it doesn't fit you, get it out of your life. You don't need that kind of stress. Like yes. there's enough going on that you don't need to worry about zipping up your dress. Like, yeah. Get a new one that makes you feel amazing in the mm-hmm. body you currently have and not the one you used to have. Yes. Yes. But you see women be hard on themselves. Yeah. So hard. And I, I had one client started going back to yoga on like day five and we had a big oh. conversation about that. And, you know, I, I want you to feel good. I want you to feel connected to your body. I want you to feel strong and confident and amazing, but it, we also need to recognize the, the physical healing that has to happen. So yes. no matter how you give birth, whether you have a vaginal or cesarean birth, you have a placental sized wound in your uterus that is like the size of a dinner plate. Wait, wound? Yeah. Okay. Where the placenta was attached to your uterus, it detaches and you give birth to that. And then where it was attached has to heal it's like this big open wound that needs to heal so whether you have the easiest birth in the world you still have this internal healing that has to happen your uterus has to shrink back down like it grows 200 times it's pre-pregnant size wow so that takes at least six weeks to shrink down isn't it just insane how i didn't even know that no, because we're so focused on how we look instead mm-hmm. of what healing needs to be done. In yeah. Europe, they have, um, you can go to rehab. Yeah, they have pelvic floor physical therapy as part of it, which yeah. I am a huge advocate for everyone seeing a pelvic floor physical therapist. Totally. Men, women, non-pregnant, postpartum, like it's just oh, a really great way to check in. Um, especially during pregnancy, people are always told, do your Kegels, do your Kegels. We're not taught how to properly do a Kegel. How was going back to modeling after you had your son? Oh my gosh. So awful. Yeah. (laughs) It was so awful. Um, were they accepting of your body and like, that's something I've noticed too. I had a similar experience. It was so awful. My agency didn't even congratulate me when my son was born what and I was like a couple months later I think he was maybe two months old I just got an email that was like hey are you available for this option and I just broke down in tears because I was so physically emotionally unready to go back to work or leave him I I had for me what felt like a traumatic birth um And I hadn't left him with anyone really. Um, so the idea of going to work for eight to 10 hours and leaving him was like so overwhelming. My body was not my size two that I was before. Um, my breasts were huge from breastfeeding. And, yeah. and I, I remember going into the agency, I had to go in to take digital for them to assess my body. I had to go in. 
put on my underwear. God. My agent wasn't even in the room. They sent like the assistant or whatever to go take the mm-hmm. pictures. And she was like, we'll look through them later and get back to you to see if oh I was God. deemed worthy enough to be re-entered into the fashion world. <laughs> yeah. I had a similar situation where I, uh, I had lost twins at five and a half months. I may have told you this, but, and, um, I was like ready to go back and I went to lunch with my bookers and they didn't mention one thing. There was never any, like, it was like, it never happened. And then I just got told that my arms were too big after. And I felt, I, I, I cried. And I just remember thinking I'm a, an adult woman crying because someone told me my arms looked big, but it wasn't about the arms. I felt like I wasn't treated like a human being from people I had known for so long. And that was, that was the part that was really life with. Yes. Yeah. And that was really painful. And I think that's a common thing that happens, whether it's about getting, you know, us getting told to lose weight or maybe there's some sort of um, mistreatment at work. Um, maybe it's, you know, sexual abuse or something, or coming back after we have babies, like the not treating us like human beings sometimes that, that, that needs to change. Absolutely. I totally agree with you. I think that, um, we're expected to hand our entire selves over to the agency and, I know when I was younger, agents were always like, we're family, you're my baby, I'll always take care of you, but then you get treated badly. And it becomes mm-hmm. this really toxic, abusive relationship, and that yeah. has become industry standard, Yep. Uh, that you must drop everything when they tell you to, you must change your appearance when they tell you to. And you, you must brush things off. Yeah. I mean, you're, I've, you're I've reported like creepy photographers before and it's like, Oh yeah, that's just the way he is. And I'm like, yes. um, no, that's not just and like, you're supposed to protect me, you know? And then they feed these predators, girls or models. And, oh, and wow. There's been so many of, like there's so many of them that like, I posted recently about this one photographer um, and after posting that, this was somebody I had shot with years and years ago, but like I saw the Seth mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so many girls shot with him and so many had really creepy experiences. Yeah. And one girl I talked to said she was at a dinner with 20 models. They were all with the same agency and they shot with him and they were like, wait, did he do this? And so they, they all had the same story and they went to their agent who actually was like, all right, we're not, we're not working with this guy anymore. Okay, good. But how many times have we gone to our agents and said something was off and they're like, Oh, you know, you don't have to do it if you don't want to, but yeah. Oh, I love the, like, if you're not comfortable, it's like, yeah. And then there's almost like there's something wrong with you. you. Yep. When they've also put you in a position that you should never be in, in the first place that I think for me, you know, I'm working with the Model Alliance um, 
to try to improve love them to improve the industry for people and part of it is because coming out and like coming off the me too movement and being like having friends like did you ever have anything like that happen to you and I was like no 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 like I've always been a catalog girl like nothing like that happens and then thinking about all these moments that you're like well I mean that was pretty uncomfortable or like yeah someone did touch me like in an inappropriate way but like I was never raped at work so it's fine but like coming out of that and being like okay this isn't okay and instead of being like you know I'm just washing my hands and I'm done with the industry I want things to be better for the girls coming up yeah like and I think that like we have this responsibility as like kind of like the elders in the industry to like make changes and yes it's also like my my doula nature of like you know what somebody does need to speak up like yeah. somebody has to make these changes. Otherwise they won't ever change because the status yes. quo is just not working. Yes. I love that. I love what the model Alliance is doing. And I know I see you on social media being really active and with them and like in your own ways. And you're so right. We do need to say something. I, um, I interviewed a makeup artist and she, I just loved this one part that she said about And I didn't even ask her anything about like inappropriate things happening and not said or anything, but she just said, you know, I really take my role seriously, especially when I'm working with young models to protect them, to be their voice. Like I have been in the industry for a really long time. And when they come in and they sit in my chair, like my, one of my jobs is to protect them. And I was like, oh, I love you. Like we need more of that. Mm-hmm. And listen, there's a lot of amazing people in the industry, but we, we can't stand back and like ignore the, the stuff that is happening. That's not appropriate. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And like, hopefully we get to a place where we don't need to have makeup artists protecting the girls, but yeah. the more people that feel that they have the right to say something back, I think we're, we're often so put in this like precarious position where we feel expendable, um, that we, we don't have, don't get booked. Yeah. Or we'll get sent home or, um, not paid dropped from the agency. Like so we, we are independent contractors, but we've so little rights. Yep. And so yep. being able to have a voice and being able to be heard and respected for having a voice, I think is yes. really important. Being heard is a basic human need anyways, but Mm -hmm. I feel like being heard and having a voice would be really nice changes. Yeah. And I definitely like getting older has given me more power to to speak up. Definitely my work as a doula has, has impacted so many other areas of my life outside of me stepping into a hospital room with a client, um, a feeling like, oh, wait, I do have tools. I do have rights. I can speak up. Yeah. And you may not agree with me, but I'm still allowed to tell you I'm uncomfortable right now and yeah. ask for exactly what I need. Because if I don't ask for it, you're not going to provide it. So, yeah. you know, whether that's being on set and not having a proper changing space, like, yes, yep. 24 years, I'm used to changing wherever, whenever. <laughs> and like, but being expected yeah. Just change my clothes in the middle of the room is not okay. Nope. 
Do you have any advice for pregnant or postpartum mommies? Just maybe some tips on how to embrace their different bodies and ever-changing bodies. I think that one thing is like, there's like a few different videos that show the anatomy changes that happen throughout pregnancy. So when you see that all your internal organs are being shifted up to make space for your baby, that that kind of gives you this visual of like, wow, my body is freaking amazing. It is literally rearranging itself. Yes. I love that. And so when you have a bit of that understanding, instead of being like, oh, I'm so big, you're like, I am incredible. Yeah. Yeah. It's happening. And it's all just going on. And even just the things of like, you know, you're talking about how your ribs are different. Like, yeah, we have hormones that allow our bones to move and to make space. And it allows our hips to move, but it's not just those, it, it doesn't just target like your hips. It's yep. like, it will change your hands, your, your feet, your joints, everything. So just kind of having that basic um, physiological understanding I, of the process. I love that, like educating yourself a little bit in the wonder of it all and the magic of it all. Yeah. And knowing that like, it's amazing. Like you are yeah. so cool that you can do this. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I also- I also think that having a really great support system around you. So, mm-hmm. you know, the days where you want to be like, this effing sucks and yeah. have somebody being like, I hear you and not yeah. trying to fix it mm-hmm. and, and it validates your feelings. If you're comfortable um, doing like an amazing maternity shoot where with somebody you feel yeah. safe and comfortable and empowered by, um, you know, I, back behind me is a photo. I've actually never shot nude until I was pregnant and I was quite uncomfortable with it. But then I found a photographer that I really loved and she was like, everything. She was like, oh my God, I'm dying. This is amazing. I love this. Like, and so I felt really beautiful. And so I have it like still up on my wall. And that's another way to celebrate your body instead of tell it that it's too yeah, big and you don't it's... have to you don't have to shoot nude but like yes. just finding a way that helps you feel so beautiful and strong and and really just like see all of these changes for the positive thing that they are and yeah. not like oh my butt is so big or you know yeah. my boobs are too big now and just kind of, I don't know, for me, it's at least understand the physiology of it. Makes a big you sense. said something interesting when we talked about how you um, never weighed yourself during pregnancy. And yeah. I feel like that's so smart because I would, st- I gained a lot of weight when I was pregnant. And every time I would step on the scale, I was just like, you know, like so hard on myself. And I'm like, it's, you're going to gain weight. Yeah. I had, I worked with midwives. I planned a home birth. And, you know, one of our initial intake questions was, you know, what was your pre-pregnancy weight? What is your current weight? And I was like, I'm not entirely sure. And they're like, well, do you want to go weigh yourself? And I was like, I don't. It's like, I don't want to weigh myself. I know me and I know like the messed up psychological process that's going to happen. And it's not going to be healthy for me. Yeah. Good for you. The number. Yeah, just over the years, like I've never owned a scale, but like when I, I used to go to the gym a lot, like I would weigh myself every time and like, yeah. that's, not, that's not healthy. 
And if it was two pounds more than what I thought I should weigh, then I would start cutting calories or or doing something like really unhealthy. And yeah, so my midwives were really lovely about that of not asking me to weigh myself. I did end up transferring to a hospital to give birth um, for an induction and they asked for my weight. And the nurse was actually like very judgy that I didn't know it. And so they insisted that I get weighed because of medication and, and knowing like the, the proper amount to give. But I was like, please don't tell me the number. I don't want to know. And then she like later like said it out loud. which was really- I threw my scale away for such a long time because it yeah. can really be a mind, you know, mess. Yeah. Okay. We are going to get into my beyond beauty rounds. Um, so you don't have to be super fast with your answers, but they're pretty quick and no, and in no particular order. Okay. My first one, favorite skin tip, uh, hydrate, hydrate from the inside. Both. Like I definitely underhydrate by drinking, not drinking enough water, but yeah, I'm a big fan of moisturizing. Okay. What about um, tips for staying fit? Oh, do you have a favorite? I miss it so much. Yoga. Yeah, find that thing that like keeps you interested and motivated. For me, it's yoga, Pilates, like things that I find to be more gentle on myself. Yeah. Um, You know, some people love HIIT or like intense workouts. And I've definitely gone through those phases, but like, know that that's allowed to change and just find that thing that like keeps you interested. I think it's finding something you are passionate about Mm -hmm. is really important when it comes to staying healthy and moving your body. And yeah. And do you have a teacher? If you you try something and you didn't like it, maybe it was not the right teacher for you. Totally. Same with therapists. (laughs) (laughs) I am a fan Uh, of therapy. (laughs) Oh, I love therapy. Do you have a favorite like inner beauty ritual that you do? Um, yeah, I mean, coming from the, from the yoga background, like breathing and like breathing. always knowing that no matter where you are, you can come back to your breath. And yeah. for me, I like to slow myself down. I don't always feel like I have like a meditation practice, but I can focus on counting my breath or just like yeah. how it feels in my body. And noticing as yeah. the breath comes in and how my lungs expand. And then when I exhale, how that sensation is moving my body just really allows me to slow down and tune in. God, it's like going back to the anatomy. Our bodies yeah. are so amazing, right? Okay. Where do you think confidence comes from? Ooh. That's a, that's okay. a harder one. It is. I think confidence comes from knowing your worth. And yeah. not being afraid to stand in it. Mm, I love that. And not being, not being afraid to stand in it. All right. Final question. If you could go back in time and tell your younger self something about confidence, beauty, self-acceptance, anything, what would you tell her? I would tell her that she is enough just as she is. That you didn't need... I didn't need to change anything and you know like not to get like too much but I've 
chased these really unhealthy relationships throughout my life and the fashion industry really fed those um, and really fed into the insecurities of being like, you're so great, except for this. And so always feeling like if I could just, if I could just change enough to be perfect, then I'll be okay. And realizing as I'm getting older that I've always been, I've always been enough. And all these people telling me that I wasn't enough, that's on them. That's not on me. Yeah. Yeah. If we could keep that, I'm enough inside of us. Yeah. And I'm enough exactly how I am right now. Perfection is not the goal. There is no such thing. It's not attainable. It doesn't exist. And it's not beautiful. Perfection is not beautiful. No, it's, it's all of these quirks and eccentric things that, that make us really unique and stand out. And perfectionism really is a setup just to make you feel bad about yourself. Make you feel Mm -hmm. ashamed, make you feel like you're not doing enough. You're not enough, you know? Yeah. Um, Yeah. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. This has been a lot of fun talking to you. Can you tell my listeners where they can find you on social media or websites? Yeah. So on Instagram, I'm at Erin, E-R-I-N underscore do light d-o-u-l-i-g-h-t and my sort of active website is do light <laughs> d-o-u-l-i-g-h-t n-y-c.com and that's where I post um all my birth doula yoga stuff um and then any links for social media okay awesome um all right I will see you soon thank, thank you, you so Bridget. much <laughs> thank you for joining another beyond beauty project conversation at the end of the day we're all in this together don't forget to check out our website at www.beyondbeautyproject.com where you can find all of our socials and don't be shy bridget wants to hear from you so feel free to send a dm or an email to let us know your thoughts and what you'd like to hear about next see you beauties on the next beyond beauty project catch us next tuesday This podcast episode is designed to be for informational and discussion purposes only. I am not a doctor and I'm not trained as a medical provider or counselor. I do not provide medical care or attempt to diagnose, treat, prevent, or cure any physical ailment or any mental or emotional issue, disease, or condition on this podcast. Always seek the advice of your own physician or other qualified healthcare providers with any questions you may have regarding your personal medical condition. Do not disregard recommended medical advice or treatment or delay in seeking professional medical advice because of information or content obtained from this podcast. If you have or suspect that you have a medical or mental health issue, please contact your own healthcare provider promptly. For urgent medical needs, please contact your healthcare provider or call 911 immediately.